welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz, and my guest today is Pat Flynn. He is the founder of Smart Passive Income and the author of a book we're going to talk about today, Will It Fly? How to Test Your Next Business Idea So You Don't Waste Your Time and Money. So, Pat, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, John. So, uh, do you have a, is there an aerospace background? I mean, what's the, because <laughs> I know, I know it's also not, not only the title, but it's also broken up into kind of some uh, flight-ish um, terminology too. So is that just, did that just feel fun? Yeah, it just, it, it felt fun. You know, that's kind of me. A lot of my own personality and stories are in this, but you know, I felt like flight is a great analogy for how people start businesses. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult at first and it's almost impossible for some people, um, to, to even dream that this could even happen. But, uh, th- there's a lot of other analogies as well. And I could have gone overboard and I was just really conscious about that because I, I, I really am kind of corny like that. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's a great quote by Henry Ford and, and I, I, I forget what it is exactly, but he's says, you know, when things are tough, remember the plane takes off when the wind is against it. Hmm. Uh, and, and I really love that, that quote to kind of sum up this book. You know, there a lot of, there's a lot of things that are working against us when we're starting our businesses and just this big grand idea that we have, we don't often do what we need to do because we don't know what to do and we don't even yeah. know if it's going to work. And that's, yeah. that's really why this book exists. Well, it's interesting because there are certainly a lot of books out there on, you know, how to start a business and how to grow a business and how to scale a business. But there really aren't too many that ha- almost have the presence of, hey, start this business, fail really fast so that you can move on to the next one. I mean, it's all, I, that's, that's not really what you're saying. But in a lot of ways, you're saying, you know, don't, don't mortgage the house and start this big thing because you can start and see if it'll work first. Right. Like, let's see what's going to happen first. Let's do a small scale experiment to see if we're actually can, if we could actually get buyers. Um, you know, a lot of people traditionally, they, they build their thing and they're excited about it. Uh, oftentimes they keep it a secret and they spend their whole life savings on it. And then they go out into the world and they kind of shout from the rooftops and they say, buy my stuff and nobody buys it. And they wonder why. And, you know, you often are left, well, if you really try to think about it, well, why not? And you're, you're not sure if it's because of the product or because of the the rooftop that you're screaming from or because of the just the way you said it or the way that this validation process really breaks down is, is it's a very iterative process. And at each point, if you come to a failure, you can then assess what happens so that you can figure out how to fix it and then move forward. And that, that's the beauty of this process. And, you know, there is no failure. I feel like even if you do all this stuff, and your idea doesn't doesn't work out. It doesn't pass the litmus tests, if you will. It's a, still a win for you because then you know that up front. And then you can work on something else or change it until it does work as opposed to years down the road just regretting going down that route. You know, as I read through this, um, I think one thing that's interesting, I think a lot of people will assume, well, yeah, I don't have a business. I don't have a community. So this is great. I'll start with Pat's process. But quite frankly, you know, I've been doing this a really long time. I have, fortunately, a pretty good size community. And this applies if I want to launch a new product tomorrow, I should go through this process. Absolutely. So one thing you could do is you could reach out to a small sample size of your audience, maybe get them on a webinar. They said maybe that they have some sort of problem that you can then provide a solution for. And you can actually pitch them on that idea. And actually, you want them to pay for it. That's the thing. You know, people will say they would buy stuff from you. They say you, they might like what you have to offer. But until... I mean, until that, there's that point of the transaction, you never really know for sure. And it's only then that you know that you have an idea that, that will work beforehand. And no, not everybody you reach out to, even if they have that problem and you have that solution for them, not all of them are going to say yes. But the idea is just to know if this is something that some people would actually pay for. 
You know what's interesting too? Uh, again, I've I've been using a process a lot like this just because I you know I had a couple times where I went out there and said here it is and they were like I don't get it. And I'm like, <laughs> right, that was a lot of work, and so I've Same. just out of necessity kind of said okay. People who like what I've done in the past, what would you think about this? And I'm th- kind of thinking about doing it like this. And here's an outline for how, you know, it's almost like you get in this narrative with them. And not only do they help you kind of get it right, I, I think they're like, when can we have it now? Right. <laughs> it's a whole right. covered sale, isn't it? They get really excited about it. But I love what you said about they, they can help you create it. That's the other beauty of this. When you get these initial customers, these early adopters in your corner, who know it's, you're honest about this validation process that you haven't built this thing yet. I think a lot of literature on validation, which exists, it's very much based on pretending like you have this thing and seeing if people would actually pay for it. I think it was Tim Ferriss who really was the first to talk about it. And he had this whole process of creating a landing page and pretending like you had this item and right. keeping track of how many people clicked on the buy now button only to say it's out of stock. Yeah. I mean, this is more of a, hey, I don't have this thing yet, but I want to build it for you. If you if I can get 10 people, I'm going to do it. And yeah. then you can not only get it early and get it, get it at a typically discounted price, but you get to help me turn it into what it needs to be to help you best. Yeah, and, and and imagine how, you know ten years ago how much harder <laughs> this process oh, right. was, right? <laughs> you know, it, you, it, almost impossible. You would right. think. I mean, but it's it still, it still is. It still was possible, though. There's a great example. Jay Abraham, mm-hmm. uh, he when he was trying to figure out what books to write next, he would buy classified ads as if those books already existed. Right, right. And he would actually collect the orders for those books. And whatever one collected the most orders, boom, you knew, he knew exactly which book to write and he would write it fast. And the other ones he would just uh, refund. Well, I, I, I think that, you know, even you can go as, as, as far as saying, you know, I've done this over the years, you know, when, if we were going to buy a magazine ad or, or, you know, back in the days when people still had yellow pages ads, um, we would test headlines on AdWords. Uh, just mm-hmm. to quickly see, you know, which ones uh, attracted the most interest, and because if we were going to be in that yellow pages for a year and couldn't change it, right. you know, we we wanted to have a little testing, and uh, to me that was a great way to do that, you know, in a very practical uh, fashion. I like that. I know Tim Ferriss used Facebook, I believe, to determine the tagline for some of his books, and right. you know, I mean that stuff still works quite beautifully. Uh, but for right. something as permanent as Yellow Pages, yeah, you, you definitely want to make sure you have the right one on there, just like how you want to make sure you, you get into the right business before you start it. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by my friends at FreshBooks. I have loved this tool for a really long time. Uh, it is super intuitive, makes creating sending invoices really simple. You know you got to collect the cash, you got to keep track of the expenses, and you got to collect the cash. That's really what it comes down to uh, in your finances. FreshBooks takes about 30 seconds to set it up. You can personalize it for your brand, and your clients can now start paying you online, which for many people can speed up getting paid. You'll know whether or not they opened up an invoice. Really, really great tool for creating invoices. But it does a heck of a lot more. Uh, Obviously, that's one of the key features. But you can also track your expenses and put them into categories so that all of a sudden the the bookkeeping and accounting stuff gets a lot easier. Of course, there's a mobile app. You can track cash flow so that you know when to expect money coming in. Time tracking. If you're doing uh, any invoicing or projects uh, that are hourly based, you can just put it right into FreshBooks. So here's the thing you need to know is that if you are a person that uh, really does not like the numbers, uh, maybe especially if you're one of those people, FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use to all duct tape marketing listeners. It's totally free right now, and you don't even need a credit card to get started. Just go to freshbooks.com slash 
duct tape. So you actually have a process. I think I let me count one, two, three, four. What is it? Five stages? Four stages? Uh, uh, four main stages, and then the fifth st- stage, all systems go, is pretty much just a summation of, yeah, okay. of what to do next. So, so kind of uh, obviously, people need to buy the book to to really have it hold their hand and give them the entire guide. But uh, kind of break it down because I do like. I think there are a lot of people like the, the big thing now is all these lean books, um, and and they have a, a bit of a thread of this idea of of kind of testing, but I find your book mm-hmm. to be so much more practical Thank you. Thank <laughs> in, you. In, ter- in, in terms of, you know, a lot of them are kind of theory uh, in that. So, uh, so break those stages down because I think when I read through them, I kind of think, yeah, this, uh, this is a doable stage. Right. And I really wanted to make sure that was the case because my audience is very much beginners yeah. who are just starting out their journey. And I know once they get to a point where they struggle a little bit, that's a easy excuse to just drop off and say, oh, this isn't for me. So, yeah. You know, that's part of it. And also, you'll notice in the book um, that I actually do these exercises with you. And right. I think, you know, that was very important for me because I lead by example and I wanted to, to share that throughout the process of this book, too. But um, the first part is called mission design. And actually, I feel like this is the most important and least talked about one where you actually, even before you determine how your business idea will fit in the market or into a customer, uh, how does this idea fit into you and who you are, your life? What are your strengths? Does it actually complement that or does it work against it? So the first part is broken down into a series. Of, of different tests and these aren't like scary tests where you could fail these are tests to help you determine well what is it that you want out of life how, how, what are you good at what are your strengths and how does that actually relate to this idea that you have or does it not and it just gets you thinking about whoa like if it, the, the thing is i know a lot of entrepreneurs for example who are very successful on paper a huge email list a lot of money but when it really comes down to it when you ask them you know how's life they're not fulfilled they're not they're not completely happy because they're in a business that you know they're not really that passionate about or you know because they chose the low-hanging fruit or they're just sad because it's taking all their time away from other things that they want to do and if they could go back in time they would do it differently well my goal especially with this part one is to make sure that doesn't happen or to catch people beforehand find any red flags if you will uh, in that process one of my um favorite test is called the history test where you actually go back and look at some of the previous jobs that you've had and pull out some of your favorite memories from those what you're good at what you're good at and what what you hated about those jobs and that way you can actually start to find patterns and stuff that that we've done in the past and see how that actually could be brought into this new idea that you have or if it's impossible then well maybe this isn't the actual idea that you need to have and which at which point people would be like okay great then i know this now as opposed to again like i said years down the road um the second part is called the development lab and this is where really we have to start to refine those ideas that we have because our brain does a great job of coming up with these amazing ideas but it doesn't really know how to put them in order or 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 create hierarchies or 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 rank them and so the idea is to really have this seed idea and turn it in in what i like to call germinate it into a a full full full-on tree using my mapping exercises and really understanding what it is this business actually is i mean there's a funny thing that happened when i was in high school and it's really stupid when i think about it but uh i was sitting in class one day and my buddy he hands me this business card and it was his name on it, my, my friend in high school. And he, it just listed like his talents and some of the clubs he was in. And, and of course, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, where do I get one of these things? And I, I made one of my own. And it became this phenomenon around our school for about a month or two where people just printed their own business cards to, to look pro or, if, or whatever. You know, it made us feel cool because we had these business cards. But really, when you like, we were only sharing them with, with our friends who had our numbers anyways. And back then, <laughs> there was like pager numbers on them too. But that's how people start their businesses too right they 
they they they put the lo- the the time and the effort into the logo into yeah. the website and the social media accounts which are necessary but not the beginning you need yeah. to know what your business is about and that's really what development lab helps you through so so as you kind of go through and and is if somebody went through this and they you know they system checks analysis you know flight sim i mean you're kind of going through the stages mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the things of course no matter what no matter what how much time you spend inside your office, you know, thinking about this stuff until you go out there and have the market tell you yes, no, maybe, uh, I don't know, bigger, red, you know, right, whatever they right, tell right. you. I mean, so so how do you sort of intentionally realize this is going to evolve, that there's no, you know, you can't get too married to this thing because it's probably going to evolve? Well, there's a part, actually, it's in part two, it's called conversation and observation. And that is you actually have to, once you narrow down what this idea is and what its purpose is, you go out and actually talk about it with other people. Right. And that's scary. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to do that for a number of reasons. One, they just are fearful that people, other people will, will shoot down their idea, which yeah. if it's a legit shoot down, you want that to happen yeah. because you, know, you want to know how bad your idea potentially is. But secondly, a lot of people feel like when they share their ideas with others that they're going to steal it yeah. and, and run with it. And I mean, I guess that's a risk, but more than likely, people aren't going to do that. And the benefits of talking about your idea far outweigh those potential cons. And what I mean is when you talk about your idea with other people, they're going to, like you said, poke holes in it, tell you what could make it even better. And actually just having that conversation makes it more real. And you get to he- hear engage the reactions from people. I had a, uh, an idea for a website that's, that's in existence now for food truck owners. It's called foodtrucker.com. And when I was building that site and had this idea, I talked to other food truck owners here in San Diego about this idea. And it really validated a, a number of different things for me as the person who had this idea. And the number one thing was, People in this industry were like, oh, okay, so do you have a food truck? And I said, well, actually, no, I, I don't. And they're like, oh. And like, you, I could always tell like the, the credibility just went sure. right out the window. Yeah. Yeah, and sense. so I ha- it, it completely reframed how I approached the site. I wasn't going to approach it as oh, I'm this expert. I approached it as, hey, I'm not an expert at all, but I'm going to reach out to other food truck owners and feature their tips and show how they did it in interviews and podcasts and blogs. And then in this way, I get to learn and you get to learn with me. And that was a, that was a huge eye opener for me. The, the site would have just been a failure at the beginning if I had just come at it from an expert point of view. Um, so so that was a good thing. And again, talking about it with others, it's it's so beneficial and they'll, they're going to be able to add a lot more than you could add on your own. Yeah, and I think you, you, you also get better at articulating the idea, you know, because you, you see where people don't get it or, or, or totally. how, you know, how you need to simplify it. So it's, it's good practice no matter what. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's talk about ideas because, uh, and, I, and I know you have a lot of information uh, really on this, but you know, what are some of the ways that I'm sure you have people that call you, write to you all the time and just say, I'm just stumped. I don't know what, you know, I know I want to have my own business, but I just don't know where to, where to find my idea. Now you talked about uh, some of the things, finding your own passion. And I, and I think that's terribly, terribly necessary because you'll get bored if you don't find something you're passionate right. about. <laughs> but, but the reality is, how do you find the, how do you find an opportunity waiting to be solved? Sure. So I have this thing called the customer plan, P-L-A-N. It's an acronym. And it kind of it, it helps you really figure this out because, you know, passion, like you said, is important, but that that's not all of it. If, if, if it's only your passion that's working uh, and making this business run, you're going to eventually like not make any money and lose it, lose, lose this business. I mean, you can't even really call it a business then, yeah. but you need the part where you're actually solving a person's problem. 
And so the the idea really comes from the audience. So the the natural progression of this book is you'll find that people go into it with an idea and they come out of it with a more refined or even a completely different idea because in part three where I talk about your customers and the market that exists, you, you, you start to figure out, wow, my idea – maybe doesn't fit into this market, but now I have something completely different because this audience is telling me what they want. And that, that's really what you want to happen. You don't want to guess. That's the thing. You don't want to guess what you need to make. You need to make what they need you to make, if that makes sense. Yep. So the customer plan, this acronym, it's, it's a four-part process that allows you to find what, the, what it is this need is, or what I like to call the elixir, that thing that you can concoct that will solve that person's disease, whatever that disease they have. And I like to to frame the customer's problems as a disease because you are creating the cure for that. And mm-hmm. if you frame it in that way, it's like it's massively important for you to do this. It's it's your duty as somebody who could potentially find these solutions. Well, the first part, the P, is figuring out what the problems are. And this is something that you could figure out through uh, conversations, through surveys. And I, I list a whole bunch of ways to figure out what the problems are. But understanding really what it is that they need help with. And what, what are their true pains and struggles? If you have a list already, for example, one quick, easy question you can ask is, hey, what are you struggling with right now? Yeah. Or what's your number one struggle when it, when, when it comes to blank? That by far is going to tell you more than anything. And when I did that for the food truck uh, experience, for example, I had a list of about 20 different things that I could create a solution for, ranging from you know, how to figure out how to mine through the, the whole process of documentation and getting a yeah. food truck started to what happens when my food truck goes down. I don't have any mechanical experience and money lost on the street is money – or time lost on the street is money lost. And so yeah. that was really cool. So conversations will help you find the P, the problems. But inside those conversations, you also have to figure out the language that they use because mm. it was uh, – I think it was Jay Abram also, again, he's getting a number of shout-outs in this particular episode. <laughs> uh, he also said if you, can determ- if you can define the problem better than your target customer, they will automatically assume that you have the solution. Yeah. So understanding the way – not just the, the thing that they, they need help with, but how do they describe it? What, what are the words they use? What are the phrases that, that they connect with? Because you could have the best solution in the world, but if you can't – phrase it in a way in the language that your audience will understand that you might not even you might as well not even have that solution you need to be able to understand how they talk about it and so when you're doing these surveys when you're doing this research on your on your audience you know make an excel file of all the language that they use it's going to help you in your marketing it's going to help you in your uh emails it's going to help you in conversations and literally with some of these surveys that you do you could actually copy and paste some of what they say directly into sales pages and emails like i have a problem with this because this is this, this, this and i've used some of those things from my surveys directly in emails and they get the, those are the ones that get the highest open rates or the, right. the most response to so yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing okay. when you find the right language they write back to you and say i felt like i was having a conversation with you know, like you were here in my head yes you were in here <laughs> in my head exactly or, or i feel like you know me yeah or, yeah. or you get me that's that's the best compliment <laughs> that you can have um the a in pla n is the anecdotes and this is my favorite part you know the, the, there's this thing called the avatar, the customer mm-hmm. avatar, which I know mm-hmm. we've all heard of before, you know, creating your ideal customer. And right. I've always struggled with that exercise because every time I come up with this person, and, you know, I have to make up a name and, right, and a, right. a lifestyle and, you know, they have two kids and whatever. I, like when I try to really connect with this f- person, I can't because I know they're fake. You know, it's made up. And yes, they're just a realization of, of all that's great in my audience and how I want to help them. And that's an important exercise. But I, I, I want to ask this imaginary person questions and get into their head and figure out like really how their life is. And so 
when I go into the research mode, like I'm talking about here, one thing I look for always are the stories or the anecdotes. And there's actually some ways that you can find these uh, through conversations. One question that you could ask really easily is, hey, tell me about a time when blank. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, it just opens up like the deepest stories about whatever it is they're going through. And you actually feel that connection. And the better that you have that connection with your audience, the more likely it is that you're actually going to follow through and serve them and care about them. It's going to make you better as an entrepreneur who's trying to serve this audience. You could also look through forums and, ser and, and, and search through forums because forums are where people who are like each other connect. And that's where they open up sometimes more than they open up to their own family. Right. And so you go there, you go into the search areas. You could even do searches on Google in this way too. But um, you look for words like great story, thanks for sharing, like those kinds of words. When you find those words, it's usually tied to somebody who had told an amazing story. So if you find a forum related to your niche and find those words specifically, well, you're likely right on the front end of, a, of an amazing story. Um, and so that's, that's the anecdotes. And then lastly, the end is, is the need. So from the problem and then understanding the language and the stories, uh, you can determine what those needs are. What is it, what is it that they actually need to actually solve that pain or, or cure that disease. And so that, that's where you can determine, well, then that's your idea that you test. And a lot of times that actually doesn't align with your original idea, and that's good. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, now, now you're, you're basing your um, every, every move after that point on something that is actually researched, not just something in your head that you think may or may not work. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I essentially started selling marketing consulting services, and you know the the assumption is that everybody needed more customers or needed more marketing or you know whatever it is that most people who sell that service think. But my my you know what I really discovered, and I didn't do it in this systematic way that you <laughs> you've described, but you know over time what I discovered is the the greatest need most of them had was a need for more control. Um, and, and that was so different than what I was selling uh, when I first started. And when I started understanding that and started selling that, um, it just, it was like, you know, the light bulb came on, you know, every time I had a conversation. Love that. How did you discover that that was the case? You, you know, a lot of it just it was was anecdotally. I mean, that when they started, that, that's so funny when you said, tell me a time about it. I mean, one of the exercises that we do uh, with all the clients is we interview some of their clients. Mm -hmm. And we'll say, why? Well, what do they do that's good? Well, it's always well they provide good service. So you know that was useless, and so we would, uh, <laughs> you know, we would always dig in and say, you know, tell me a time when they provided good service, or tell me, you know, tell me a story about a time. And and we started, you know, hearing just as you said, the real gold mm -hmm. um, in mm -hmm. in those stories. And that's you know that that uh, I think you know ultimately you hear it enough times, and you're you're like, okay, this is a this is a reoccurring theme that we need to figure out. Right, right. So let me ask you one last question. Um, the sure, the um, a lot of what you're talking about is is much easier if you have an audience like yours to go to and, and do some of this. What if I don't have a community, don't have an audience? I mean, how do I how do I find my people? You know, that can help me uh, test this out. I'm glad you asked that question because there's, like I said, there's a lot of great literature on validation out there, but a lot of it assumes you have already built a list or you have right. this huge following already, which leaves everybody else in the dark, which is which is not what I wanted to do because most of my audience doesn't have that that audience yet. Yep. And so there's actually a lot of steps in the book that share how you can get in front of somebody else's audience. That's the cool thing about validation. Mm -hmm. You just need a small sample size of your audience before you test, and then if it runs great, then you go full scale from there. Uh, and then you already have customers and testimonials and whatnot. But again, like I said, you don't need to get in front of your own audience. 
even before you build one, you can get in front of somebody else's audience. And you can do this through guest posting or guest podcasting. You can also do paid advertising, which is the more traditional way of doing validation, you know, driving cold traffic, right. but then this time not to a sales page, but to a, a webinar, for example, where then you can interact or uh, some sort of phone call or conversation. Um, then there, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways to get in front of other audiences, but I, you don't even need that, that much people. Um, one, one strategy that's worked really well for a lot of people in, in, in some of the case studies in the back of the book is using Facebook groups, mm-hmm. you know, can, going into groups, serving them first before asking for anything, just providing a ton of value, answering questions. And, and over time, people will begin to know what your expertise in. And, and by time, I mean, maybe just a week, right. you can then say, hey, guys, so you know that I'm good at this. I've shared I've shared some answers for you guys here. If any of you are interested in learning more about this, uh, DM me or direct message me your email and I'll follow up with you. And that there is the boom first. Yes, that first okay, this is somebody who's interested in this thing. Let, let me continue this conversation and then maybe get to a point where if they are continued to have an interest uh, to ask them to be one of 10 people who I'm going to get in this beta program um, in that honest way like I talked about earlier. Yeah. And it's great great for, it's actually great for both parties. You know, you think in terms of them helping you, but you're probably going to give them some additional coaching. You're going to, you're going to overserve yep. them uh, mm-hmm. during that process. So, so don't be, don't be shy to think people don't want to do that because they're getting a great deal too. Right. And if what's the worst that could happen, they just, they don't reach out yeah. and that's not that bad. I mean, you just, that, that's another validation point. You know, if you can't get people to reach out to you right. for a, a thing that you're offering, well, maybe you're offering the wrong thing. And yeah. that is what's telling you that uh, then. Talking with Pat Flynn, he is the author of Will It Fly? How to Test Your Next Business Idea So You Don't Waste Your Time and Money. Pat, it was great uh, having you on the show today. Where can people, I know people can find, and most people in my, my audience anyway are familiar with Smart Passive Income, but uh, do you have anything uh, particular for the book itself that you want to send people to? Uh, yes, John. Thank you so much. Uh, WillItFlyBook.com would be the link. Uh, that's that's where you go. And, um, you know, at the time that we're recording this, the audiobook isn't available yet, but it will be available soon. Um, I'm actually going back to the studio pretty much immediately after our call to re-record the introduction because I just got noticed from my team that the rest of the book sounded very energetic and great, but the, the first couple chapters, because that was the first ones I was record, recording, it took me a while to get into it. So yeah. I can't I can't, I can't put out a bad product where I know that the first parts don't have the, yeah. the energy, so I'm, I'm going back in. But all those, the paperback, the Kindle, and the audiobook will be available at willitflybook.com. Yeah. As somebody who has recorded four um, books, I can... Uh, feel your pain it's actually harder than people would ever realize oh gosh totally totally john (laughs) awesome thanks so much pat and uh, we will probably see you in san diego uh, in april awesome look forward to it